Have a seat if you would. I want to read the scripture over us today. Michael Bird is going to be bringing God's word to us this morning out of Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 67 through the end of the chapter, verse 80. God's word says this, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophet from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him in all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of the salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance appeared to Israel. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity for us to gather together today and hear your word, Father. I pray now for Michael as he uh, sheds light on what it is that you have to say to us this morning through your perfect word, God. God, I pray you would uh, give him your words to say, Father, and free us from distraction as you hear what it is that, you've, that we've got to, to say to, or you've got to say to us this morning, Father. Thank you so much for Jesus. Guide us now as we engage your word. In Christ's name, amen. It's opportunity to be here. It's not that I don't like to work, right? I just, I, sometimes I just like to, for stuff to come easy, and this didn't. So, so, so let me, um, we'll get right to it. I just want to pray again for us and then we'll jump right in. Let's pray. Father, you are so wonderful to us and that you've allowed us to gather today to worship you. So I pray, God, that you will be made big in our time together today, Lord, that you will mold even my voice, Father, to be a voice of truth, God, that I will herald your name from the rooftop. I pray, Father, that you let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Father, I do not deserve to to preach your word, let alone say your name, Father. But you, by your spirit, call us into relationship with you. So we will be grateful, Father, to be obedient to you every moment of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, just for a few minutes, y'all, I want to use as a subject the benefits of salvation. The benefits of salvation, as we really look at Luke 1, 67 through 80, we want to look closely at the benefits of salvation that we have in this text. Now, I got to tell you, right, um, the, the air conditioner should not be louder than the church. All right, so y'all talk back to me a little bit, all right? Like y'all can shout amen, you can clap and say, say it, preacher, or you can even tell me to shut up. I won't, but you can tell me, all right? So, so the benefits of salvation. Now, I, I begin to realize, y'all, something that with everything going on all around us, 
I love being a believer. I love living a life that brings glory to Jesus. There is so much joy, so much freedom in belonging to Jesus. I love the fact that God, by his power, not by anything that we're able to do on our own, I love how God, by his power, has given salvation to his people. I love the fact that our sovereign God um, is and has shown us how powerful he is to give us this deliverance, this danger from suffering. I love just, I love how God has uh, uh, delivers, uh, delivered us. I love how God protects us. I love that I have the opportunity to belong to Jesus, therefore receiving a gift from God called salvation. I love that God has entrusted me enough to give me a gift that I don't deserve. I love the fact that God has trusted you guys enough to give you a gift that you don't deserve like salvation. In fact, I don't know I don't know anybody who don't like a good gift every now and then. Everybody just like good gifts, right? Um, I've never met anybody who doesn't enjoy receiving gifts. I don't know anyone in the world who don't like receiving something that they don't deserve. We love gifts not just because of the gift, but we love gifts because of the benefit of the gift. Never forget my 10th birthday, August 30th, 1993. Never forget the gift being that I got. It was a Super Nintendo. I know y'all PS4 fans don't know nothing about Super Nintendo, but back in my time, it wasn't wireless. It was connected, right? And you could only sit three feet from the TV. Now you can be in the other room playing the game in the living room. But I got a Super Nintendo for my birthday, right? And I had a pretty rough summer. See, my birthday was at the end of the summer, right before school started. See, now y'all start school in July. We started after Labor Day, right? My, my, my birthday fell right before school started back, and I kind of got into some trouble over the summer, so I was on punishment. Didn't think that I was going to get anything on my birthday, but my parents saw fit to celebrate year 10 by giving me a Super Nintendo. The Super Nintendo, it was an amazing gift, but what I loved more than anything was the gifts that came with the Super Nintendo. Super Mario Brothers, Mario Kart, Mortal Kombat, using Scorpion, get over here, right? The, like, man, amazing benefits came with the Super Nintendo, so, so I, not only did I benefit from the gift, but I had benefits. That's why I love salvation, because I realized, right, that while at year 10, I got a Super Nintendo that came with great benefits, but at year 18, I got the greatest gift ever, that salvation from Jesus that came with amazing benefits. Benefits far greater, far greater than Mario Kart, far greater than beating Scorpion, right, with Sub-Zero, far greater than anything. We had salvation. I love salvation not only because it's something given above and beyond what's expected or deserved, but because of the benefits that come with it. Salvation is a great gift, and it comes with amazing benefits. And that's the main point of our time together today. That's what I really want you to wrap your mind around. Salvation is a gift from God that is drenched in benefits. It's drenched in benefits. Now, God... The thing is, God, he doesn't just 
forgive sins. He offers us new life through Christ. And to know that you're able to have that and you don't deserve it, like, like you ought to want to run a mile inside the church. Like you ought to want to hang off the chandeliers or right, just walk up to Rick and slap him a couple of times and say, hallelujah. Right? You, you ought to be excited in knowing that this gift of salvation is yours, not just to forgive you for your sin, but, but, but to give you a new life. That would tell us that he didn't just give us salvation, right? Jesus isn't here to just be a consultant for us. He's here to be a new life giver for us. And salvation gives us that. What I love, though, is that salvation is this gift and the benefits that come with it. And the, the reality is, do we need salvation? Yes. But I'm going to tell you, we, we, we needed the benefits because sin caused two problems. It's di- it, it disrupted relationships and it causes death. Thus, we needed two things. Because sin caused two things, disrupted relationship and death, we needed two things. Reconciliation and rescue. That's what we needed. That's what Jesus did by dying on the cross and rising again from the dead. But the reality is, is that we have to join God's family to get these benefits. We join his family by repentance and belief. In that way, we are pardoned from sin and we're given new life. Through the cross, we are forgiven of our sins. Our sins are not held against us, so we are not at war with God anymore. Why? Because he's given us this gift with benefits. You're not at war with him anymore because he's given you a gift. But, but I love the fact that salvation is drenched with benefits, and right here in our text, Luke helps us to see that. Luke writes in his writing, Luke writes with compassion. Um, a lot of details. So, you know, I'm gonna tell you, let me tell you why I don't really like Luke. Luke's not my favorite book, I guess, right? Is it like heretical to say you don't like a book of the Bible? So I'll just say it's, so I'll just say it's not my favorite, right? Um, but Luke writes with a lot of details because he was a physician. I don't like details. Just cut straight to the point for me, right? Luke, Luke, and because he writes, because Luke's, Luke writes with so many details, it's, I love the fact that it's, that it's drenched with compassion. That this warmth of a family doctor as he carefully documents the perfect humanity of the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. In our passage, we see God's blessing, how God's blessing was resting abundantly on Zacharias and Elizabeth. He sent them a baby boy, and just as he promised, they named him John, just as God instructed them to. Now, that was amazing to me because, right, see, when we have kids, we want to name them whatever we want. But they named him John because that's what God told them to do. Even though people looked at them like they were crazy because they did it, right, they still did it. The major theme here is that he has visited them and redeemed his people. This little boy being named John, it, it really means grace of God. Now that's amazing that even though what was going on with them at the time, Luke saw fit to write to them and let them know that the grace of God was with them, right? 
Um, he was the forerunner of the Messiah who would bring salvation to lost sinners and one day deliver Israel from all our enemies. That's amazing to me. God was visiting his people, but they did not know the time of their visitation. Zacharias, he took literally God's covenants and promises with Israel and expected God to fulfill them all. Notice here in the text that Zechariah didn't even begin to prophesy. He didn't speak for God until after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's, that, that's amazing. He didn't even begin to speak for God until he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, all of us know folk who want to speak for God, but they ain't filled with nothing but their own self. Let me tell you, all of us, each and every last one of us here today ought to be speaking for God. If you, if, if you are a genuinely converted, blood-bought believer, then you've got, you, you got to have something to say. Because at, at the point of salvation, God has empowered us with his spirit and given us 66 books of the Bible where we ought to be able to encourage somebody, where we may be able to, 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 to push somebody to live for Jesus. Zechariah was doing that, so he began to prophesy right after um, he was filled with the Spirit. He speaks for God. And, and, and listen, I love salvation, right, because it's an amazing gift that's drenched with benefits. And right here, as Zechariah was prophesying here in the text, right, some, some commentaries refer to this as a hymn. Some said it was a song, right? But right here, right, we see in his prophecy, right here in his text, he begins to point out the benefits of salvation. Like, I was like, man, the prophet is telling me the benefits of salvation, and it was amazing. There's seven of them right here. Um, like, but before we get into that, like, like, think about it for a minute. What greater way to be a witness for God than to allow your life to reap the benefits of salvation? See, you don't even want to go on a job if it ain't got good benefits. Right? Even with your friend, you, you want to be in relationship with a friend where, what, what, what does this benefit me? Right? At least you, you want to be in relationship with somebody who's going to sharpen you, not kill you. Right? There's, there, there, there's benefits to this relationship with God, and Zechariah points out seven. Number one, here's the first benefit. We are saved from our enemies. He says that in verses 67 through 71. And his father Zechariah was filled with Holy Spirit, prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we should be, watch this, saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. It's an amazing benefit to know that God, by his salvific power, gives us the benefit of being saved from those who hate us. Let me tell you, don't be mistaken, the same people that hate Jesus is the same people that hate you. But we get comfortable running around with folks. We get comfortable hanging out with folks, watch this, and not talking to them about Jesus. God has given you the necessary tool to overcome the enemy, but you would much rather be in relationship with them and let them stab you in the back. 
At some point, you have to rest in the benefits of salvation and know that the Lord has delivered you from, has saved you from those enemies by giving you the necessary tool to change those people from enemies to friends. Well, what is that tool? It's the gospel. It's the gospel. He rescued us from danger. Colossians says he's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. That's what he does. God rescued us with the life of his son. Because of what God did through Jesus, we are delivered from the grip of sin in our hearts. Jesus, he did not release us from bondage only for us to wander, to, to, to aim, aimlessly wander around in the world. No. He moved us from, um, into his own kingdom from light and made us victory, victorious over Satan's kingdom of darkness. He's delivered you from the snare of the enemy. Scripture says the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. The issue is that he's delivered us from it. He's delivered us from the enemy, but we continue to find ourselves in bed with the enemy. But he's delivered you from it. You can reap the benefits. Salvation is a gift that is saturated with benefits. And the first benefit that the prophet Zechariah shows us in this text is that we are saved from our enemies. The second benefit we receive the benefit of mercy. Mercy. He says in verse 72, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. See, I love salvation because those of us who belong to Jesus are able to experience mercy. Mercy, like, like when you know what, when you really begin to understand and wrap your heart around what mercy is, is you can't help but get excited. Mercy is God not punishing us um, like we deserve. Mercy is God not punishing us as our sins deserve. Do you know that you don't deserve mercy, but God, we serve a merciful God who extends mercy to us even though we don't deserve it. That's amazing. Paul, Paul reminds those in Ephesus, right? He says, God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. We're able to benefit from a merciful God who extends mercy to a sinful people. There's no greater benefit than mercy. Knowing that you don't get what you deserve, knowing that you don't get what you deserve. See, see, the world teaches us or, or pours in us to get us to think that we ought to walk around thinking that we deserve everything money can buy. Not only do you not deserve what money can buy, you don't deserve the money to buy it. But God shows his mercy, shows his favor to us that even while we were dead in our trespasses, breathed the breath of life into us and made us alive in Christ. What an amazing benefit. 
an amazing benefit. So we see that two benefits so far. We, we see that we, we are saved from our enemy. We see that we receive the benefit of mercy. And number three, we see in verses 72 and 73, right, we, we get this benefit um, that, that we call justification by faith. Justification by faith. Here's what he says. To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. Here's verse 73. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us. Now, in in Romans 5, Romans 5 kind of helps us to see that Abraham is the father of faith. And because of his faith, we're able to have faith. We're justified by faith. One of the greatest things that we experience as children of God is being justified, being made right with God. And it's amazing that although we are a jacked up people, we are still able to be made right with God. Well, maybe you don't think you, maybe you don't think you as jacked up as you are. Right? Maybe you think that you're better than somebody else. Well, let me help you understand. Like, like you can't help but see yourself the way God sees you. Because it's interesting how whenever we want to describe ourselves how God sees us, right, we shout on the scripture in Psalms where he says, I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Hallelujah, amen. Or we go over to 1 Peter where he says, um, we are a peculiar people, a royal priesthood created for his own possession. All of that is right, but let me tell you, before you was rocked by the gospel, Romans 3 tells you what you really look like. He said, none is righteous, no, not one. In other words, he's saying, all y'all jacked up and can't nobody be right. That's what he says. He says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is what makes justification so awesome because even though we are sinful, totally wicked, totally depraved, we can be right with God. Not because we can fix it, but because Jesus did. That's what makes it amazing. Those of us who are sinful or made right with God, watch this, by placing your faith in Christ. All of us have sinned, but God has shown kindness to us by declaring us right because his son gave his life for us. What a great benefit to know that we're able to receive justification by faith simply because of what Jesus did on the cross. Justification is God's declaration that the believing sinner is righteous in Christ. Righteousness is credited to our account, not because we deserve it, but because Jesus did it for us. We don't deserve it, but God has given it to us by grace through faith. We are justified, declared righteous at the moment of our salvation. The moment we respond to the gospel call, we are pronounced righteous. Justification does not make us righteous, but rather pronounces us righteous. We're able to receive this benefit Justification by faith. Number four, the fourth benefit that we see here in Zechariah's prophecy in verse 74, we receive peace with God. He says that we, being delivered from the hand of the enemy, may serve him without fear. Now, lots of times we tend to fall into the trap of fearing things and fearing people, right? 
We fear the unknown. We become worry warts. But remember this, when God delivered us from the hand of the enemy, watch this, he did so so that we may serve him without fear. He brings peace to our hearts so that we don't have to worry. He brings peace to our hearts so that we don't have to worry about tomorrow. Now, you remember what Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Why? Because tomorrow will take care of itself. One of the many benefits that we get from being in relationship with Jesus is peace, the kind of peace that surpasses all understanding. But here it is. What I really love about peace is that for, to- for so long, the church has looked at peace as a thing, but peace is not a thing. Peace is a person. And if you look deeply in Ephesians 2, verse 2, 14, you will see that he says he is our peace. Talking about Christ. Peace is not a thing. Peace is a person. And by being in relationship with Jesus, we have peace with God through his son Jesus who gave his life for us. Somebody say, how many times is he going to talk about Jesus' death on the cross until you get it? That there's nothing else better to talk about than what Jesus did because he is our peace. Every benefit that we have is because of what Jesus done. Jesus is the source of our strength. He's made us both one and has broken down this wall of hostility, providing peace for us. We receive peace with God as a benefit. Number five. This is probably, probably a benefit that I kind of love, right? Holiness. We receive the benefit of holiness. We see that in 74 and 75, that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, may serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. See, when we receive this gift of salvation, right, the reality is we're not called to live any kind of way we want to. No, you, you, you're not called, you don't have a green card to live however you want to live simply because you've experienced salvation. If anything, salvation calls you to adopt a new way of living. We, see, we want to be in relationship with Jesus as long as it ain't costed us anything. But I, I say it all the time, if your salvation isn't costing you anything, you need to take it back. That, that's, that's a reality, right? You cannot live the way you want to live in salvation. You have to live in holiness. And we see in Galatians 5 where Paul has a, conversa- has a conversation with this church in Galatia and talks to them about the works of the flesh. He gives this long list, right, talking about different things like homosexuality and all of those different things, fornication, drunkenness, all of that, right? And he says, those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God, comes right behind it and says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, or the evidence that you've been filled with the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. He gives you all of this, right? That, that tells us that we are not called to live in, live any kind of way. We're not called to be raggedy people. We're called to live in holiness. Holiness, uh, holiness is not optional. It's a, it's a mandatory requirement for the blood ball. We've allowed culture and tradition to define what holiness is, and we look at holiness as being the church where the women can't wear pants. That's not holiness. That's just a church where women can't wear pants. <laughs> but holiness simply means being set apart 
or, or being cleansed, to be made holy, right? To be set apart for God's use. And 1 Peter 2, 9 speaks of this saying, um, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. God calls us holy even though we still commit sin during, it, during our lives. Why? Because he empowered us with his spirit to live holy. There's no way that you can be holy without Holy Spirit. Number six, salvation benefits us to be reconciled to God. We see this in verse 77. He says, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. The fact that we needed reconciliation means that our relationship with God was broken. Since God is holy, we're, we are the ones to blame. Our sin alienated us from God. That's why Romans 5.10 says that we were enemies of God, for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? thing is, is that when Christ died on the cross, he satisfied God's judgment and made it possible for God's enemies, us, to find peace with him. Our reconciliation to God then involves the exercise of his grace and the forgiveness of our sin. The exercise or the activity of his grace, right, and the forgiveness of our sin. The result of Jesus' sacrifice is that our relationship has changed from enmity to friendship. That's why he says, I no longer call you servants, but instead I call you friend. Salvation affords us the opportunity to be reconciled to God. And understand, Christian reconciliation is a glorious truth. It's a glorious truth. We were God's enemies, but we, were not, we are now his friends. We were in a state of condemnation because of our sin, but we are now forgiven, right? We, are at, we were at war with God, but now we have peace that transcends all understanding. Why? Because of this gift of salvation. This gift of salvation. Salvation. It's drenched with benefits. And I think we tend to go so deep in having all of these theological conversations as to who God saves and how he saves them and why he saves them that we miss the simplistic truths that he saves in the first place. We want to get so caught up on whether folks got five points or ten points or three points or no points or all of that. No, we as a church should get into regular rhythms, should have regular habits of not arguing over how God saves, but shouting on the fact that he actually saves. That's, that's, the, that, that's, that's it's this glory and that truth that God saves, that sinners are able to have salvation, not because of their own right, but because of what Jesus did. And we see here in this text that as, as we think through being a witness, we can be a witness by fully embracing the benefits. And the seventh, the final benefit that we see right here is light and guidance. 
light and guidance. He says in verses 78 and 79, because of the tender mercy of God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into a way of peace. God did not just save us and expect us to figure things out, but rather he calls us out of darkness into the marvelous light. Jesus being the light of the world, right, we have Christ. And because we have Christ, we have guidance through this through um, this life, right? Because remember, Scripture says that Jesus is the light of the world. Proverbs says, he says, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean out into your own understanding, all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. We have hope in knowing that Jesus will return for us. The people in this text were sitting in darkness and death and distress, right, that was gripping them. But then when Jesus came, he brought life. When Jesus came, he brought light. When Jesus came, he brought peace. It was the dawn of a new day because of the tender mercies of God that came and dispelled the darkness and gave guidance to a chaotic heart. The light here in this passage talking about Christ. It isn't just enough for us to have light, but we got to walk in it. It's almost like having a job where you have a benefit of health insurance, but not using it. You paying an arm and a leg for your whole family to have health insurance, but you won't make an appointment at the doctor. I know the women don't do that, just the men. What good does it do to, to, to have been given a benefit but not use it? He's given us the light for us to walk in it. Light is the element that destroys darkness. If light is this element that destroys darkness, why do we continue to profess Christ and walk in darkness? No, darkness has been dispelled because the light has been given to the believer. This light called Christ. Therefore, church, we have to walk in it. We have to walk in it. The evidence that we have this light how do you know you have it? There's evidence in knowing it. It's how you deal with people. And Scripture tells us that in 1 John 1. But if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If you ain't loving others well, if you ain't treating folk right, then there's a chance that your light is dim and you may need to, you, you know, we know it ain't nothing wrong with the bulb, but it may be something wrong with the switch. That's you. Or not the switch, but the fixture. Understand, salvation gives us a huge benefit in that we are a part of something bigger than us. Because of God's gift of salvation, we have a privilege to be a part of a family of believers that we walk out life with a family of believers that we have the privilege to live in fellowship with. Jesus uses this family to grow us in our relationship with him and pushes us to grow in the gospel. 
verse 80 ends this passage perfect. He says, and the child, talking about John, grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Like to me, they said, right, just because salvation comes with benefits does not mean that we get to escape the wilderness. Yeah, it comes with benefits, but all of the benefits that come with salvation empowers you to live in the wilderness, to live life God's way. Salvation, listen to this, demands that we go through persecution. Salvation demands that we go through hardship. Salvation demands that we experience some pain. Salvation demands that we experience turmoil. But what's amazing, though, is that while salvation demands that we experience hardship, we can also rest in verse 80 knowing that trouble won't last always. Because right there, he says he was in the wilderness, watch this, until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Which means that, yep, he had a tough time, but one day he, he came out of it. There will come a time when Christ will return for his people. And those who belong to him will be caught up to meet him in the earth. Here it is. God has redeemed us. We have salvation. And it affords us amazing benefits. Deliverance from the enemy. Mercy from God, justification by faith, peace with God, holiness, reconciliation to God, light and direction. Family, let's rest in knowing that we've been saved and blessed with the benefits of salvation. Allow Zachariah's prophecy here in Luke 1 to fuel you in knowing that you have a great gift. God's salvific power has saved you from the sinfulness of sin. And your life ought to be picture proof of the benefits that salvation provides. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and mercy shown toward us. We pray, Lord, that you allow us to rest in knowing that you are with us and you will never leave nor forsake us. But I pray, Lord, that you will be the object of our affection. Just as Zechariah was filled in this text with Holy Spirit and began to speak for you, I pray, Father, that we'll do the same. I pray, Father, that we'll be fueled to live out the benefits of having a relationship with you, God, that every opportunity we get, we will herald your name to those who know you and to those who don't. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for hearing our prayer. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.